Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. One of my favorite topics to lecture on is otitis. I think doing videotoscopy and just treating a lot of these patients who have otitis, it's amazing how much better you can make them feel and how you can really impact their quality of life. But I wanted to revisit some of the basics of why we do ear flushing, why it's important to utilize this therapy and not just send home an eardrop in cases that will tolerate it, and then some of the differences of how we're going to use those flushes either in the clinic or at home. So remember, when we are talking about otitis, and I recently had a case where a dog had just been given lots of topical therapy, including in-house use therapy like Claro, and no ear flushing had been done, no cytology had been done. And looking in that dog's ear, there was so much hard impacted debris lining the ear canal. And this is where ear flushing is so, so, so important. If we just have really hard debris lining that ear canal, we are going to really struggle to get topical therapy to the epithelium of that ear. And that's going to cause us to not only not be able to provide comfort for that animal, but we're not going to be able to really effectively treat that infection. We need the therapy to actually penetrate the epithelium of that ear. We're so lucky in dermatology that topical therapy is an option because our organs on the outside are about the only specialty, you know, besides opto, really, I suppose I can say that. And so it's really important that we are utilizing these topical therapies to the best of our ability so we don't have to rely on systemic medication. So being able to break up that debris and remove it is extremely important. It provides comfort for the animal because it definitely doesn't feel good for them to have caked on debris in their ear canal. We're also going to be able to eliminate infection. It's going to help our topical therapy. Some of these mild infections, you don't even need to put them on an eardrop. Like if I have a mild otitis, I may just utilize flushing. I mean, a lot of times just restoring that ear canal, removing debris, you will get resolution of the infection. And then obviously one of the other big goals of ear flushing is being able to identify the primary cause. So yes, we deal with lots of otitis that's related to allergies, but we get other things like grass-ons, ceruminoliths, masses in the ear canals that can cause that as well. And if we're not able to visualize in the ear canal because there's so much debris, we're not going to be able to really look into that ear canal deeper and find that problem. So, you know, cytology is something that I always can tie in and it is important when we're talking about the management of ear canals. You know, I'll hear, well, a lot of the topical products we use are are combination products, so we don't really need to know, but it does matter. We have to know what type of infection is there. Is it just yeast? Is it, if it's bacterial, is it cocci, is it rods, is it a little bit of everything? But I very much select what type of flush I'm going to use 
based on what the cytology shows me as well. You know, if I'm not finding much infection, we may just use a ceruminolytic. If I'm finding lots of yeast, maybe I'll pick something that has boric acid or acetic acid in it or a ketoconazole in it because there are different ear flushes that have all of this uh, all these different ingredients. So it is important for us to do ear cytology, not only to diagnose what's going on, but to monitor, to make sure that we're able to see how our therapy's doing. You know, there's still some debris, but now the debris, instead of being a bunch of yeast, is just some cocci, or are we much better, but there's still some organisms that are there as far as quantity of organisms. We'll have ear infections that flip-flop. You know, recently had a case that really should be responding well after a videotoscopy, but then the recheck cytology showed a little bit of yeast, which was never there before. So we find that so we can actually treat and identify it, even though there wasn't that much debris in the ears, that dog was probably really sensitive to it. So if we're seeing debris, if we have clinical signs, even if there isn't much debris, it is really important for us to grab our swabs and get a cytology so we can evaluate what is actually going on in the ear. Now, when I think about ear flushing, to me, there's kind of two options for techniques, what we're going to do in the hospital and what we're going to do at home. And depending on the animal and what the owner is able to do, these can be very different from each other. We do have some owners who can't really flush at home. We have some owners and patients who we absolutely can implement flushing, but there's so much debris, like the case I recently had, that we have to really utilize in hospital techniques. And that's where we can do things like sedated ear flushes or videotoscopy ear flushes that are going to be a bit more aggressive in a good way to loosen that debris. You can even use bulb syringes in some of these cases or red rubber catheters, you know, down in handheld scope if you don't have a videotoscopy unit. We use a lot of sterile saline when we're doing more aggressive flushes, even through the videotoscopy unit or through a red rubber down the handheld scope. Um, if I need to really break up some big debris, I will use a lot of the ceruminolytics that are squalene based. Um, so for example, like cerumene. Now these are super greasy. Cerumene and clerotic, they're squalene flushes, but they're super greasy. So I actually don't suggest sending them home with owners because they're oily and they kind of make a mess, but they are amazing as far as in-clinic flushes. So, you know, we'll take that if we have a sedated or anesthetized animal, start off with a squalene based product to really, really break up that debris. Um, and then we'll follow it up with a more gentle cleanser or sterile saline to get some of that oily material out and really, really loosen up some of that more adherent debris. So sometimes we are having to utilize several different products and techniques in order to actually get the debris loosened up. But that's the really nice thing about in-hospital techniques is you can go through with different cleansers. You can really massage the canal, you know, sedate or anesthetize them so you can really break it up. You can go back in with your otoscope to evaluate and see how good of a job have you done. If my technicians flush the ears out for me, I often go look in after and say, you know, we need to do a little bit more or maybe we need to change our technique or actually that was really great. So in-hospital techniques can be really, really wonderful to do. Like I said, really bad debris, sometimes starting with squalene, kind of flushing that out with sterile saline. You can follow up with a disinfectant depending on what type of infection that you have and make sure that you're looking into the canal after the cleaning to see if we've done a good job or 
to see if maybe now you have really uncovered the primary reason that that ear infection is there in the first place, which is just so important when we talk about management of these cases long-term. Remember, there are ear infections that happen that are not related to allergies. And it's really important that we recognize that because I have had some really nasty ear infections from things like masses, autoimmune diseases, endocrinopathies. So really figure out the underlying cause is extremely important. And if it is something like a mass or a foreign body, then really good flushing is going to allow you to do that. Now, as far as at-home flushing, we have to educate our clients. You know, tell them, instruct them, have a technician or assistant go over with them how to flush an ear. You'll be really surprised what clients think is adequate flushing. We want them to fill the canal with cleanser, um, massage that canal, and have them grab that canal in the clinic. Have them feel what cartilage feels like. And then massage it for 30 to 60 seconds. Um, That's what's breaking up that debris. Allow the pet to shake their head. Do it in an area that you don't mind getting debris and cleanser on. So the bathroom outside and then wipe the external orifice, kind of dry it off and don't use things like Q-tips. There's lots of really, really great um, tools online. I know Vetokinol, Decra, they have really nice handouts that can be sent home with clients and videos that you can actually uh, have clients refer to that show different flushings, you know, in dogs, uh, how to safely do it in cats that can really make it quick and efficient for you because I know we're all short on time, but also provide really good education for your clients. So there's lots of resources online and I'll include some in the show notes that you guys can refer to that can make it really nice and time efficient for you. Now, what cleanser we send home is important. And remember, they're all different cleansers for different reasons. Like we want to know why we're reaching for certain cleansers. We don't want to just have one. So if we have something like a fungal infection, you know, there's there's options like boric and acetic acid, which can be really nice for yeast infections. Um, Malacetic Otic, Malacetic Ultra by Decra, they have boric and acetic acid. The Malacetic Ultra is really nice. And for my really bad uh, yeast cases, I like it because it has boric and acetic acid, but it also has ketoconazole in it and some hydrocortisone. And we all know that Yeast can be very, very itchy, so I find that to be a really, really wonderful product as far as yeast. Now, I'm talking about a lot of yeast. Again, if you have mild infections, you may be just fine using a serumenolytic, but when you have those more aggressive yeast infections in the ear or we get those chronic offenders where it's just like they struggle with yeast month after month, then using something uh, that has the boric acetic acid or ketoconazole in it can be really nice um, at when they're flaring or as a maintenance if you get those chronic offenders. I do like chlorhexidine if you see a lot of cocci, um, things like the Trisclor product, Maliket plus Tris EDTA. Um, those can be really nice because they have chlorhexidine in them. Trisclor is going to have the chlorhexidine and Tris EDTA, Maliket plus Tris EDTA that has ketoconazole in addition. So if you get those cases where they're really just in general struggling with yeast in cocci, then that can be really nice. If I see a lot of rods, primarily I'm going to want something with tris in it. 
Um, I mean, Decra has a lot of Triz products like Triz Chlor, Malaket Plus Triz, Triz EDTA Aqueous, Triz Ultra with Keto. And they all have other ingredients besides the Triz in them that can really be beneficial. Why Triz is so nice in these cases of Pseudomonas is because it actually pokes little holes in the cell walls. And we all know Pseudomonas, Proteus, gram-negative rod organisms. They're tough. <laughs> They're really, really tough. Even for us as specialists, they get resistant very quickly. We get limited on some of our antibiotic usage. So the nice thing about using Triz is you're going to get the benefit of breaking down some of that cell wall that's going to allow your topical therapy to penetrate that even better. And we really want all the help we can get. I believe there's some kind of newer Triz products that are going to be coming out soon um, with things like N-acetylcysteine in it, which also can be helpful as far as anti-biofilm and when we talk about pseudomonas cases that can be really helpful so if we get a release of new products I will definitely be letting you guys know about that and then again do not forget about our serumenolytics you know if you get past an infection and a case is doing really well switch the cleanser to a ceruminolytic. You know, a lot of my allergic otitis cases, they're flushing with a ceruminolytic once a week, once every other week, kind of depending on what they need. We don't have to leave them on the products that have, you know, all of the antiseptic ingredients in it if we just really need something that's more of a maintenance cleanser. Um, so I mentioned the clearotic, cerumine, those are squalene-based and those are really oily. Wonderful for in-clinic use, not so awesome to send home because um, it's messy and greasy and it's nice to be able to clean up the ear after that flush with something like saline. But the two products I really do like sending home as serumenolytics for at-home use or just kind of more general flushing um, would be pH Notix by Vetokinol, which the nice thing about that product is it has the option of a longer nozzle. So in some of those deeper ear canals, um, it can be helpful or more narrow ear, can, ear canals that can be helpful for owners. Um, but then also Duxomycellar by Siva, which has that uh, phytosphingazine in it. I think both of those are really wonderful ceruminolytics uh, just for more maintenance use or mild infections where you don't necessarily need to put them on something that has antiseptic properties to it. Because again, if you restore the health of that ear canal in most cases, you're not necessarily going to have to use something that has chlorhexidine or ketoconazole in it, um, but certainly those chronic offenders or when you're actively having infections, those will be really, really helpful. So that's kind of an overall statement as far as ear flushing. Education for the client, absolutely. Flushing in-house when needed, using the different techniques, you know, breaking things up with those squalene products, rinsing it out with saline, using red rubber catheters if you really need to do a sedated or anesthetized ear flush, videotoscopy. If you have really bad cases, you can certainly refer those out if you don't have videotoscopy yourself. But then really thinking about why we're using certain ear cleansers, not only frequency, but also what ingredients and not being afraid to change. If we've hit more of a maintenance standpoint, have owners save the other ear flush at home, but consider switching to something like ceruminolytic. Um, we'd really, really want to utilize ear flushing to help us and not just rely on topical therapy. It's going to not only allow our infections when they're actively happening to be more successful as far as treating those, but also as maintenance so we can prevent this impacted debris 
we can prevent these infections from happening as often. We're going to have much, much happier patients and much happier clients if we can control things a bit better. And it just gives really wonderful tools for our clients to use um, so we can kind of lessen the severity and the intensity frequency of these ear infections. Because I've my dog gets otitis with her allergies, and it's really tough when you see them uncomfortable and smelly and scratching and having debris in their ear. So we want to make sure that we're giving tools uh, to our clients that we can minimize these from occurring and be successful because allergies are a pain. Um, So we want to make sure that we utilize all the tools that we can. So I hope you guys find that really helpful as far as the managing otitis. Again, otitis is one of my favorite things because it's pretty remarkable um, how much improvement you can get with some of these cases.